Hey guys, it's Tim. Some of you guys may know me as the Trivia Guy. But uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Issue. Check us out three days a week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy it, tell a friend. You know, spread it around. If not, not a huge deal. Just don't listen again. Uh, we appreciate you guys stopping by, though, and, uh, and checking us out. But be sure to also check out the social media outlets. We have Twitter, at The Issue Podcast, and our Instagram, at The Underscore Issue Podcast. Thank you guys again for listening. What's up? We are back. It is Thursday, January 7th. Uh, another episode of The Issue. Should be a good one today. A lot to talk about. A lot of MLB to get into right, yeah. off, the, right off the bat here. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have so we're gonna have the MLB. Um, huge trade today. We're going to get into that. And then uh, it, we're not going to have an incredibly long episode today, but it's going to be like very full. You know what I mean? It's going to be very to the point, what you need. So we're going to tell you all about the trade. We're going to get into an update of the coaching. We gave you guys uh, our picks for the coaching carousel. Um, in the NFL, we're mm-hmm. going to give you some uh, some updates on who the teams have interviewed, interviews that they've requested, and interviews yep. that have been declined as of, I want to say, this morning. Um, we'll get into our predictions for the NFL. Wild card weekend, always crazy, always crazy. And then, uh, and then uh, the uh, national championship game. So Yeah, we have a lot to predict um, and a lot to just cover in general. So let's start with the MLB. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but we woke up this morning to some incredible news. Well, actually, it just happened. Let's see here. Let's see. It. 54 minutes ago, Jeff Passan, who's generally within the first, you know, 20 or so minutes of, of news breaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, he tweeted 54 minutes ago now that, quote, the Francisco Lindor to the Mets trade has been finalized, or is being finalized. Sources tell ESPN this is going to happen. The first mega move of the Steve Cohen era gives the team its new face. And, uh, he goes on to say 45 minutes ago, so far, what we know of the New York-Cleveland blockbuster. The Mets get, uh, shortstop Francisco Lindor and right-handed pitcher, Carlos Cookie Carrasco. Yeah, that Shout is out to him. He's actually a cancer survivor. That was that this past year or two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Just a complete warrior. Yes. And a beast on the mound, too. And uh, Cleveland gets top prospect. Well, not the top prospect, but one of the top prospects. Shortstop Andres uh, Jimenez, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf And outfielder Isaiah Green, who's a really good fit in center field. So, so this is going to be... Th- this is crazy, first of all. Um, I think it's clear that... See, Cleveland, this is puzzling to me, right? So, doesn't it seem like just like, what was it, four years ago they were in the World Series? Yeah. And then they traded all their major pieces. Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, their top three pitchers, and then Clevenger, their fourth. They, yeah. So, they've now dealt all four of their top pitchers from that season. They're almost doing like a complete rebuild. They've dealt their, that was their face of their franchise. Mm-hmm. It's the face of their franchise. Yeah. He's gone. They've let a lot of other uh, good role players walk. Um, Santana, they've let him walk. I think the only guy left is uh, is Jose Ramirez. Right. He continues to hit like three fifteen every year, though. So. See, I don't think this trade is going to be something that propels them to World Series contention this year, but I think these are pieces that you're going to be able to build around. And this Cleveland team, if they can build around the pieces that they just received, they're going to be a really, really yeah, good team. I think team. this is a, a, a bit of a win-win. But it's in like two very different directions. Yeah, yeah. So the Mets, this is like a win now. Yeah. Like the Mets are are instantly able to compete. Yeah. Like now, 
Like they're instantly a top three roster in the in the NL. Yeah. So now you have Degrom, Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco. That's a that's insane. I mean, you it's have, incredible. I I think some of this may have been spurred by that San Diego Padres trade because now look, if you're in the NL and you're trying to actually compete. Look, you have the Dodgers. You have, you have the Dodgers. You have a loaded Padres roster. So, I it's mean... It's an arms race. And yeah, we're not just talking about the Cubs are still competitive. The Cardinals are still really competitive. Yeah. The NL is stacked. How about the Phillies might be one of the most talented teams that nobody talks about because mm-hmm. they just somehow can't put it together. But they're still really talented. Right. How about the Braves? No one even talks about the Braves. The Marlins even made the playoffs last year. Yep. So, it's, it's an arms race. And I'm not even talking about... How about Marcus Stroman? I know. So now you get DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Carlos Carrasco. You got a pitcher like Trevor May, Steven Matz. It, it's incredible. And so now your infield's looking like, so now you're going to have, what, uh, probably Lindor at short, maybe Ahmed Rosario. He could probably either move to second or, uh, or third. And then you'll have a guy like, let's see here. Well, J.D. Davis is a third baseman. You could put him in the outfield. Um, Brandon Nimmo. He's he's generally an outfielder, but he, he sometimes comes into play, um, play infield. So they they're loaded. They're loaded. It's that simple. Yeah. Michael Conforto, Pete Alonso. How about they just signed James McCann, who's hit three hundred the past two years? Oh yeah. As a catcher. How about Jeff McNeil? Like their their lineup is stacked. Now. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch. This year for baseball is going to be. I think really exciting. Uh, hopefully, they can agree on something like rather quickly. Uh, you know, between the MLB and the MLBPA to get a season going oh. and, and a season started. Yes. Uh, because you know, if they can get that figured out this year, I mean, I feel like yeah, I don't want to make any predictions about things we don't know too much about, like COVID. But I've heard and I've listened to some of the experts talking about it, saying that we should start returning to more of a normalcy by July. Uh, once more people have received the vaccine, once the vaccine has undergone more testing. Um, so, you, you know, once we get to more normalcy, we should start to maybe have regular sports seasons back, which I, I'm thrilled about. Even if you don't, it's not completely regular. Look, they, they made it work last year. Figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. NFL's making it work. NBA's now in its second season, kind of. They had the, like, half season the NA- COVID, and then yeah. they're in the, they're going into the second season now. Yep. The NHL is going to be getting into their second kind of season. Yeah, they, doing s- it. they start in six days, actually. Um, so the NHL puck drop is on January 13th. Their training camp started on January 3rd. So, you know, leagues are figuring it out. Uh, hopefully, you know, the MLB showed some promise this season, or like this past season, and you know they've showed that they can adjust to things. I thought it was really good. I thought yeah. they did a really good job. And so. I really liked the DH. Hopefully they keep that around. Uh, oh yes, please, please. We don't need. I don't need to see Marcus Stroman hit. I don't need to see Carrasco hit. Yeah, you, I don't need to see no... any of them hit. Like I don't. I don't need to see Kershaw. Look, I get it. Like Granky will hit like one bomb like a year, or yeah. like Kershaw will get into one every now and then hit an extra base hit. Like that's all good. But instead of, like, once in a while, how about we put a guy like Eric Thames who can't field but is a mammoth at the plate? Yeah. How about we just let him rake? And instead of, like, one home run a year out of the pitcher spot, how about we get, like, 24 out of Eric Thames or, mm-hmm. or some some DH guy like that or, like, a Josh Bell who can't field but can hit? Right. Um, so this MLB season is going to be crazy. I'm excited to, like, to do predictions to start – 
to start doing like preseason coverage of the MLB. That's going to be fun. Uh, oh yeah, I think we should. I, I I agree. Let's wait till spring training now. Oh so yeah, we can get a look at some teams here for sure. Um, and, and wait for more teams to make trades because I don't think it's even close to being over yet. I think we're actually just getting started with all the deals and, and people moving around. Uh, and, and you know when these big organizations are making big moves like this, it prompts other big organizations to make even bigger moves. So uh, I agree. And actually, a team who's not even in the same, they're actually in the AL that could this could prompt a big move for. How about the Yankees? Yeah, look like they're it's a com- they're competing for the same fan base, right? So I don't at Yankees. Why don't you sign DJ LeMahieu? Considering he's consistently he's the only player I remember. I'm sure he's not the only player in 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 MLB history, but I guarantee you he's on a short list of like three or four people that have hit 320 or over in like four straight seasons. Yeah, like um, like, like it's video game numbers. Let's look at DJ LeMahieu stats. It, it, they're video game numbers. They're not even fair. In one, two, three, four, five out of the last six seasons, DJ LeMay used it over 300. 301, 348, 310, 276. And even in that year, 276, that's still not bad. I'll still, I'll, I'll still take 276 all day. Then 327, then 364. In both years he's been with the Yankees, he's at above 325. Yep. Uh, and honestly, the Yankees have struggled to have guys that hit that consistently, especially especially for average. That, that's what I mean, because you, you're you seeing the league move into the home run hitter direction, right? No, but that's not, new, that's not news to anybody. But when you do have guys that can get on base, you do have guys that can hit for average, and I, what's his on-base percentage been? On base percentage in those years that I'm talking about, 358, 416, 374, 321, 375, 421. Exactly. So you have a guy that gets on base consistently, and then you have a you have your Aaron Judge, you have your Stanton that can hit them in, that can you know move base runners around, and you know even go for the long bomb every now and then, have two, three run home runs consistently. If you can have guys to get on base in front of them, I think it's a really good idea for the Yankees to re-sign that guy. Uh, I mean, I would. I don't see anybody that would pass on DJ LeMahieu. You'd be um, crazy to not re-sign him. He's yeah. See I mean, how old he is? If you, if, he's thirty-two. Yeah, and if you have the money to do it, like the Yankees do, why not do it? Um, that could be a really big. I'm deal, not saying actually. you got to sign him for long term because look, I get it, he's thirty-two. He's not necessarily young, but that's not necessarily old for a a baseball uh, player, uh, especially like a first baseman-ish type player. Yeah, that's not that that you know. But that's doable. Right. Sign him for a two, three-year deal. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Let's get this going. Uh, so, I See mean, what else just, we got here? Just, just about it. Yeah. I mean, that's all the news out of the MLB right now. I'm excited to see Francisco Indoor play for the Mets. Yeah. It's going to be fun. That's going to be He's such a high-energy player. You could, if he, he, like him, when Marcus Stroman's starting, that's going to be a high-energy team. It is. Um, it's going to be a team that you don't really want to face especially down the stretch i feel like that team could definitely string it together um but we're gonna move into our predict or actually our coaching updates here for yes. the nfl all right so um just give you guys an update of you know who's been interviewed where and uh and stuff like that so let's see here all right so this will tell you who's interviewed where and who's been requested to interview where and who's actually the only one that's really been declined is one for the Jets, of course. Um, so we'll start with the Jets. They've interviewed Eric Bieniemy, the uh, Chiefs' 
offensive coordinator. They've requested interviews from Brian Dayball, the Buffalo offensive coordinator. Matt Eberflus, I think is how you say his name. He's the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, who've had a top-five defense last two years. Arthur Smith, the Tennessee um, the Tennessee offensive coordinator, who he's been pretty good. What he's been able to do with Ryan Tannehill is impressive. Yeah. And then um, they've also requested Brandon Staley, the Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator, who, oh, man, they've been really, really good. Yeah. They've been really good. Especially on defense. Yeah. So, and then... Patrick Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator, has declined an interview for the Jets. Wow, really? Um, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me, though. I'm looking around here. I don't think he's even... I don't think he's been even requested another interview. I think he's fine where he's at right now, is what he's saying. Well, I mean, the Giants have been a team that have, like we said, been getting better every single week this season, and... You know, they have something that they could possibly build around there. And the Giants' defense is good. Uh, oh, yeah. Very good defense. I agree. So, I mean, I I wouldn't be trying to run out of there quickly either. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, okay, and then let's move on to the Texans now. They've interviewed Joe Brady, the Carolina offensive coordinator, who um, we actually did not have. We have him going to the Lions, technically. Um and they've also interviewed Jim Caldwell, former uh, head coach, and Marvin Lewis, former head coach. Hmm, okay. They've requested Arthur Smith, the Tennessee OC, and then Matt Everfluss, the, the Indianapolis DC. Yeah. All right. How about, oh, okay, all right, the Jaguars. This is a big one because this is, like, one of the most attractive jobs here. They've interviewed Eric Bieniemy, which, of course, they have listed as a candidate, Urban Meyer, so they've already interviewed him, and he's now, like, they're, they're he's a candidate. Mm-hmm. He's officially moved into a candidate stage. Uh, they've requested interviews from Raheem Morris, the Atlanta interim, who we actually have getting a head job or a head coaching job in Atlanta, staying in Atlanta. Yep. Um, and then they've also interviewed Robert Sala, the San Francisco defensive coordinator, and Arthur Smith, the Tennessee OC. And okay, how about the LA Chargers? They've interviewed Eric Bieniemy. He's the only one that's he's interviewed for every job except for the Texans job. So he's interviewed for five of them now. Um, so he interviewed uh, out there in L.A. They've requested an interview from Joe Brady, Brian Dayball, Matt Aberfluss, Jason Garrett, the the Giants defensive or offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy. Uh, Let's talk about that for a second. Look, he had a top seven offense every year he was in um, in Dallas. And yep. I think we're looking at it now, and they're 7-9. and nine. Maybe it's not all his fault. Let's look at the quarterbacks he had. He had Tony Romo, who was undrafted out of middle Tennessee State. And Dak, who was drafted in like the fifth round out of Mississippi State. Yeah. Who was a project. Right. And it, he has the opportunity to possibly go to a Chargers team where you have Justin Herbert and that loaded Chargers offense, which, which you know, you make oh, some moves, you make some key moves, and, you know, you, you make some good draft picks there. And that's a really good offense in, I'd say, two to three years. Yeah, so I don't think it's crazy that Jason Garrett deserves another chance. We'll see, though. Um, Robert Sala, the San Francisco defensive coordinator, which I think would would be a good move because, like I said, we've seen it in dynasties in the past. Defensive head coach, offensive like weapon, and uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Um, Arthur Smith and Brandon Staley, the Rams DC. All right, on on to we. And by the way, we have the Chargers getting Brian Dayball, who they did request an interview from. So you know, not not crazy there. Yep. How about the Lions? They've interviewed Marvin Lewis as well and Eric Bieniemy. They've also interviewed their, their interim coach, uh, Daryl Bevel. He was their interim 
when they fired Matt Patricia, so they're obviously going to give him an interview for sure. Um, they've also interviewed Arthur Smith and Robert Sala and Dan Campbell. I think it's the New Orleans. It says AHC. I don't know what AHC means. I don't know. Assistant, Maybe that's like assistant, assistant head coach. Assistant. Ah, uh, good looks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so assistant head coach. I didn't even know that was a thing, to be honest with you. Like, like kind of like a quality control guy, I guess. Right, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't like that hire. But, uh, all right. And then the Falcons, they've interviewed, obviously, Raheem Morris, the interim for them, Robert Sala, and Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. And they've requested Todd Bowles, Joe Brady, and Arthur Smith. Todd Bowles, the Tampa Bay defensive coordinator, Joe Brady, Carolina offensive coordinator, and Arthur Smith, the Tennessee offensive coordinator. So names I'm seeing a lot here. Arthur Smith, that I didn't really expect, came kind of came out of nowhere for me personally. Yeah. And Robert Sala a lot. Obviously, you get Joe Brady, Brian Dable. I expected to see those names a lot. I Absolutely. expected to see Robert Sala a lot. I mean, especially with you know the success that they've had recently. Uh, yeah, everybody wants him to be a head coach. Yeah, Arthur Smith. I'm surprised a little bit that Marvin Lewis is on here a couple times, though. Marvin Lewis was the uh, was the head coach in Cincinnati. So I, I have mixed feelings on this. Look, he never had the most talent on his teams. He had Andy Dalton as his, quarter, as his quarterback. Look, I like Andy Dalton, but come on. I mean, he never had the best GMs either. Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. I mean, and the, the the organization is terrible as a whole. Bad ownership, bad GM. Exactly, but my issue is that he's interviewing for jobs that actually borderline might have a worse Front office. history. Yeah, the Lions and the Texans. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, be smarter than that. How about we interview mm. for you know maybe the Chargers? We'll see. Um, I I, I still feel really good about our predictions though. I think the Lions, Joe Brady's a, they haven't even interviewed him, so that's that's tough for me. Falcons, Raheem Morris, they've already interviewed him. The Jets, Matt Campbell's not on here. The yeah. Iowa State job. Yeah. The Iowa State head coach. Matt Campbell's not on here. This guy's a fantastic coach. Something's got to be up there. I'm going to look it up. Matt Campbell, NFL head coach. Let's see what, hap- let's see what happens. Yeah. What, what Is he going to get an interview? What's up? Like, what's the What's the deal here? Yeah, Matt Campbell should be the team's top the top target for the Jets. The first thing that popped up. <laughs> Jets head coach search will begin at the conclusion of Week 17. Matt Campbell is the move to make. Jets to interview Sala, um, Eric Bieniemy. Are they going to interview my guy? <laughs> they should. They 100% should. Wow. So, I don't, I don't understand why he's not getting an interview. He should. Definitely should. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So, how about let's move into our, uh, our predictions. Yeah. So, wild card weekend here. Um, it, it's going to be a great weekend of football. Um, you know, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. So, I, I just cannot wait. Three games on Saturday. Three games on Sunday. Yeah, and I mean. Equally great games on both days too. Yeah, I think I think Saturday has the potential to be a little bit lopsided in two of the three games. Yeah. So let's look at the lines here on on those two of the three games. We'll save the close one for last. So let's go Indianapolis and Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo is favored by six and a half. So you have a dome team traveling up to Buffalo. That's mm-hmm. a factor. It definitely is. Um, Vegas is generally pretty close, and about a touchdown for Buffalo sounds about right for me. Yeah, um, I think Buffalo is about a touchdown to a to a nine point 
better team than Indianapolis. Yeah. The thing that worries me is, you know, Buffalo can defend the run, but Indianapolis is so good running the football that they could keep Josh Allen on the, on the sidelines. They could. And um, that'd be a little bit of an issue. It would be if that Buffalo defense can't step up. I mean, I see this game going one of two ways. If Buffalo's defense can can stop the run and, and hold Jonathan Taylor to, you know, minimal yards, uh, I don't think it's going to be even remotely close because I don't think, you know, Phillip Rivers will be able to keep pace with the young Josh Allen and that receiving core in Buffalo. Uh, but if Indianapolis can run the ball, I could see this being a touchdown game. If not, I think Buffalo wins big, and I mean big. Uh yeah. Um, Lines at what, six and a half? I, I think I'd take Buffalo to cover that, six and a half. Yeah. Um, um, if I had to throw money on it, I would definitely put Buffalo to cover um, that six and a half spread. They're just a better football team. They are. Uh, just well-rounded. Pretty much everywhere around. In I mean, every facet defense, of the defense, I mean, overall, Indianapolis probably has a better defense, but Buffalo situationally is actually the best fourth-quarter defense. Yep. And I think they are actually right behind Indianapolis in run defense, so it's not that bad. I mean, you look at the, you look at the league rankings. Buffalo is second in points per game. Indianapolis is ninth. Uh, yards per game, Buffalo's fourth. India's sixteenth. Pass yards per game, Buffalo's third. India's fourteenth. Uh, rush yards per game. This is where uh, India has the advantage. Indianapolis is eleventh in rushing yards per game, while Buffalo's twentieth. Uh, time of possessions even. Uh, sacks. Indianapolis has the slight edge in sacks, forty sacks to the Buffalo's thirty-eight, and then interceptions. They're both tied for seventh in the league. Uh, so they're very like equal teams on paper. I just think Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brian Dayball, they're going to win this game. Yeah. Um, so I'll take Buffalo to cover the six and a half. The over under is 51. I'm going to take the over because Buffalo is lighting it up. Yeah. They've put up 30 plus in four straight games. They're the only team to do so in the Super Bowl era since the, I want to say the 96 or 97 Packers in the pack, or maybe it's the last six games of the season. So that's six games of the season. They're the only team to do so since the 90, I want to say six or seven Packers, and that team won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I really like Buffalo. I like Buffalo. I like the points. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the over as well. Um, all right, how about the night game, the Buccaneers at the Washington football team? <sighs> Bucks are favored by eight. Yeah, I honestly like that. Um, I, I, I like – actually – Okay, I like the Buccaneers, but I don't like the eight-point spread, and here's why. I don't like why. the eight. I no, don't. that Washington football team defense is really, really solid. I'd say they have arguably the best front in the NFC. Um, so, I, And the thing that scares me is um, the Buccaneers' Devin White is still on the COVID list, so we have no idea if he's going to play or not. Yeah, their defense hasn't played all that great in the past two, three weeks. Um and with Devin White out, the Washington football team has three competent backs they can throw at you. Mm-hmm. J.D. McKissick, um, Antonio Gibson, and Peyton Barber, I want to say his name is. Yeah. They have three good backs that they can throw at you. And if you're thin at linebacker, that's a nightmare. Right. And that's a nightmare because then you got to cover backs out of the backfield. Then you're gassed because you're running 20 yards down the field to, to cover this little shifty back. Mm-hmm. You know, then you got to sub out. And then, then it just depth depth could be an issue. It could be. Um and we've seen the running game just tear apart teams with, with weaker running back cores. Uh, or, yeah, that's my bad. Linebacking cores. Uh, we've, we've seen it with the Steelers now having, you know, Devin Bush out, uh, uh, Bud Even Dupree injured, Spillane and Spillane hurt. Hurt. And, and you see how much that impacts a, a defense. I Vince like... Williams been in and out. Yeah, don't get me wrong. 
I like the Buccaneers to win this game, but I do not like the eight-point spread. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win. I'm going to take Washington to cover. And then where's that over-under at? 45 and 45. 45. Mm, I like the under. I'm going to take the over slightly. I think it's like a 27-20 game. Okay. You know, barely over. Um, you think Washington puts up 20? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they put up 20, yeah. Okay. I mean, let's look at their last couple games here. They put up, I mean, 20 against the Eagles, only 13 against the Panthers, 15 against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, they're not a good offense. 23 against the Niners, 23 against the Steelers, 41 on the Cowboys, which are bad anyway. But, you know, they don't put up a lot of points. I, I know that. But I just think playoff time, Ron Rivera, Alex Smith, experience. I mean, I know Brady and, and Arians have experience too, but I will uh, – I think they at least put up 20. I, I think the Bucks win, though. Okay. Uh, let's get into the Rams and the Seahawks. Now, this is the, the good game of the, of the day. Yeah. This is going to be the close one. Um, yeah, the line right now is at three and a half. Um, the issue for me here is that the Rams play the Seahawks really well, always. They beat them in the first meeting, made Russell Wilson look bad through two picks. And uh, even in the second meeting, they held the Seahawks to 20 points. The only reason they lost is because Jared Goff couldn't put up more than nine points. He was pressured all day. Mm, it's close. Um, Seattle's favored by three and a half. I wouldn't feel cozy taking that at all. No. No. Um, but then again, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking the Rams to cover that at all either. This is one I would stay away from if, if you're going to bet. This is one where you just... If you're above 21, you crack an adult beverage. If you're not, you crack an ice-cold Coca-Cola, and you just watch for the enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I mean? This is not one you want to put some scratch on. No, you don't waste money on this game. Uh-huh. Especially because, first of all, you never know what you're getting from Jared Goff. The Seahawks pass rush has been, well, consistent this the last, like, six weeks, but before that, a mess. So you have no idea what you're going to get. Jamal Adams is a little bit banged up, so that makes me nervous because he's a big-time spark on their defense. And then you never know the health of the Seattle running backs. And if they're healthy, it's over. If they're not, it's a game. And who knows if they're fully healthy right now. Yeah. Uh, if I had to, Okay, so we have to make a pick. I mean, obviously we're going to make a pick here. Um, I like Seattle. I like the Rams to cover. And I like the over. If I had to make a pick here, I'm not going to stray from my boy Russell Wilson. So I would pick Seattle to cover. Not by much. It's like a, like a five-point game, maybe a cheap field goal late to stretch the lead you know russ is good at those late those late game drives maybe they're up by two need a good drive kick a field goal to just to just stretch it out a little bit with with like 45 seconds left there um i'll take seattle 26 21 okay um so i'll take the over as well all right 26 21 will be the over Let's move into the Sunday games. We will start with let's go Bears Saints first. That's um, gonna be the, the the most non-competitive game, I right. think. I think the Saints absolutely steamrolled them. Yeah, I don't even think it's gonna be all that close. The Bears, I don't know how they're in the playoffs. Uh, by some stroke of luck, they ended up here. Um, I listened to Colin Coward talk about uh, the Bears making the playoffs, and he compared it to a wedding. Did you hear this? I did not. He said, you know, you go to a wedding, and you're really only there for the bride, the bridal party, and, and like, the immediate family, right, of the bride. 
And then, like, those teams, that's your Buffalo, that's your Seattle, right? That's your, that's even your Baltimore, your Pittsburgh. Like, those, they have to be there. But then, you know, the uh, the Bears are like that. The cousin, the second cousins. No, the, the Bears are like that friend that, oh, well, I went out and, and I played golf with them a month ago, and we had a couple of beers, and, and I just had to invite them to the wedding. I just had to invite them. And they're in those back tables, kind of at the back of the hall, and they're around other people that are kind of surprised they're, that they got invited. That, oh, I, I can't believe that they invited me to the <laughs> wedding. That's what the Bears are in the playoffs right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think the Saints are, are definitely in the bridal party. And I think, yeah, I think Chicago is just, they're just not that good of a team. No. You know, they have a good defense, but there's a reason that the line's at nine and a half. Yeah, they don't have all that much of a place here. Um, like, seriously, there's a reason that Vegas is still a thing. You think that Vegas would just be throwing nine and a half out there just for... In a playoff game? No. You know, just just for, for, for no reason. Like, for they the, would lose. For, there's a reason that they're a profitable... You know, I mean, we just say Vegas generically, but there's a reason that, like, generically Vegas is a business. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a reason that they, all those businesses out there continue to make money and they they're don't still make, a business. They don't make money on losing. <laughs> yeah, they don't make money when they lose. So, to, they're, they're not going to throw out a nine and a half line to just say, yeah, you know, Chicago's a pretty good team, so we're just going to set that at nine and a half. Yeah. No, if Chicago was a real team, they'd be like four and a half, five and a half maybe? I mean, you're looking at a Trubisky and the Bears versus Breeze and the Saints. Uh, I like the, the Saints. Thing is, the Saints are one of the most well-rounded rosters in the league. Yeah. Their DBs, beasts. Marshawn Lattimore playing like an animal. Their linebackers can get after it. Their Absolutely. ends are good. They get upfield. Trey Hendrickson, Cam Jordan, Absolutely. everywhere. They have two yeah. really good uh, running backs. Mm-hmm. They have three really good quarterbacks if they needed them. Yep. They have Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, they're a loaded roster. I think... When it comes down to it, talent beats less talented. Absolutely. Simple as that. Especially in the playoffs. Um, and experience beats unexperienced, and Breeze is experienced, and I don't think really anybody on that Bears roster has much experience in the playoffs, uh, especially against a team. Uh, they had that like one game where uh, Cody Parkey double-doinked right. double off, uh, off the post there, but that's about it. Look, Trubisky's not a big play quarterback. No. And to beat this New Orleans team, they're going to make you earn every single yard. Every single yard. And I don't know if Trubisky can consistently make accurate, smart decisions on like a nine-play drive. You're going to need to. You're going to need a nine-play drive that ends in, you know, probably four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to need four touchdown drives and maybe a field goal drive to to beat this team if your defense is playing well. That's if your defense can hold them under 31 points. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't know if Mitch Trubisky can put together five consistent drives of, of nine-plus plays because he's not a home run hitter. They don't really have a home run threat on the outside either. Right. So then you're not going to get any cheap ones, which means Mitch Trubisky has to drive them down the field consistently. I just don't think he can do it. Okay. I'll take New Orleans. I'll take the points too. I, I think their defense swarms. I think it's about an 11-point game. I'll take a 31-20 win. Um, so so I'll like take the over? The, I'll take the over. Uh, yeah, it's in a dome, so I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think if weather's a factor. No. Nope. Um, I'll take a 31-20 win for okay. New Orleans. Yeah, I like New Orleans. Uh, I like the points, and I like the over. Uh, honestly, I like a... I like, like, a 30... 35... Like a 35-20 game. 35-20. Yeah, I think the Bears around 20 is like their, you know, that's about what they put up. That's you know? what they'll that's what they'll do. I'll yeah. give Mitch Trubisky two touchdown drives, two field goal drives as 
That's it. Yeah. Um, and then we will get in now to the Ravens and the Titans playing at 105 on Sunday. Baltimore favored by three and a half over this Tennessee team. Um, and I kind of like that. Um, I feel comfortable with, with the Ravens at a three and a half here. Uh, that's, that's your call here. I like Tennessee. Really? Yeah, here's why. Because Baltimore gave up 7.7 7 yards of carry to Cincinnati last week. Oh. Cincinnati. Mm. And then you get Derrick Henry and probably one of the best units of a line in the league. Look, they have no Pro Bowlers on the line, but as a unit, they're probably the best offensive line in the league. And Mike Vrabel is a great a coach in the playoffs, especially. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, a competent quarterback, especially on play action. I just don't think Baltimore. I think Lamar does really well, actually. Look, people bang on Lamar. He hasn't won a playoff game, this, that, and the other. I think Lamar plays fantastic. But he still doesn't win a playoff game. But the issue is Tennessee's going to put up like 35 points. I don't know if Lamar can do that, especially playing from behind. And he's going to be on the sidelines a lot because Tennessee's going to be grounding and pounding. I like Tennessee. I. I Baltimore's playing so well right now. And I think it's just such a tough matchup. If they get any other team in the AFC, they win. Like Let's look at the, all the AFC teams. If they get the Steelers, they win. The Browns, they win. If they get Indy, they win. If they get Buffalo, it's close. No, they get crushed by Buffalo. Mm, Buffalo, mm, no. I don't know. Lamar's good. And Buffalo doesn't really run the football that well. Yeah. And their secondary it would for become- the Ravens is fantastic. Didn't Buffalo and... And Baltimore already play this year? Let's check. Let's go back in the archives here real quick. I think they did. Never mind, they did not. Um, that would have been an interesting game. It would have been. Look, I think they beat almost every other team. Buffalo close. Buffalo's a very, very close. But it's just a bad matchup. Tennessee, just a bad matchup. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I will like Tennessee just because, um, I mean, of the fact of Den- Derrick Henry. I'm it's change so my hard pick. to look at a team who can give up that many yards and that many chunk plays against Cincinnati. Yeah. And say and feel comfortable when Derrick Henry's strolling, or when you got to walk into Derrick Henry's house next week. Yeah, and he puts up like 250 yards a game rushing. Uh, I mean, let's, let's look at just... For conversation's sake, let's look at his last however many games. I mean, it, it's probably insane. It's probably insane. So, Derrick Henry. All right. So, let's go to the Titans. Let's go to our schedule. Okay. Week. And, and against the Texans, he put up 250 yards. Against the Packers. Okay, that was just a rough game overall. Even in a rough game, he still put up 98 yards. 98. Against the Lions. Oh, I don't even want to know this one. This one's going to be bad. This is going to be like 100 and something. 147 yards. <laughs> How about against the Jaguars? <laughs> this is going to be bad. 215. <laughs> How about against the Browns? Oh, only 60 against the Browns. That's because they fell behind so early. Look, he's been tearing it up, basically is what I'm trying to say. I just I don't I don't feel comfortable with Baltimore's run defense at all. I'll take Tennessee. I think it's a. Hmm, I'd give it a five point game. Twenty four. 
It was a 24-23 game. Okay. Very close. Very, very close game. I like Tennessee, though. Okay. So I will take Tennessee to win. I'll take them to win by, like, five, and I will take the under on that game. Okay. All right. Big game of the week here for at least us. Yep. Browns and the Steelers. Steelers have their chance to win a playoff game uh, before things get too rough here. They're favored by six. They are favored by six. I uh, I don't like the line, but I like the Steelers. Yeah, I do like the Steelers. I don't know how I feel about it. Th- okay. This game This game could, could either be... Really, really good for the Steelers or so poor. Oh, yeah. Um, it's either going to be like the Steelers win by like 20 points somehow. <laughs> Or they lose by, like, 20 three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, you get T.J. Watt back. You get Cam Hayward back. Ben's going to be back. I think they're going to be throwing different looks at the Browns, even at quarterback. Ben, in an interview, said, look, we have three options at quarterback. Who knows if I'm even starting. Yeah. First of all, like, okay, don't. Right. Come on, that's smoke and mirrors. He's going to start. But I wouldn't count out Josh Dobbs getting some read option looks, especially on the goal line. Quarterback draws near in the red zone, huge, and that's been a major issue for the Steelers. And you know, Mason Rudolph didn't look too bad throwing the deep ball either against Cleveland, which is Ben's bugaboo. Yep, it's his issue. He can't throw the deep ball underneath so, intermediate. Ben, good, yeah, excellent. I mean, deep ball can't do it. No, but Mason Rudolph can. At least he showed he he had look, some flashes of it. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out, though. Like, I know Ben said we have three options. I wouldn't rule it out that all three of them get at least a couple snaps. Yeah, which would be which I think, be cool to see. I think if the Steelers want to go deep into the playoffs, they're going to have to throw some alternate looks. Randy Feekner is going to need to take a step back, let Ben call the plays, and just just let the team work. Um, and, and stop calling the dink and dunk plays on, like, third and nine. Think, I just think, okay, first of all, let's run the football. Please, can we can we run the football? Yeah. So, look, the Browns secondary is bad, but any secondary is going to be good if you just drop back every play. Yeah. Like you got to throw some different looks at them. <laughs> so here's my idea here, right? So, how about if we're paying Derek Watt? Um, I don't know, like copious amounts of money for a fullback that we don't even use. And how about we have like some pretty good. You know, blogging tight ends outside of Ebron. Kevin Rader can block. Did you see that hit he had? Yeah, that was on, awesome. Uh, on kickoff? Yeah, that was he awesome. that dude, so he can block. Vance McDonald's a road grader. He can block. How about let's put two, and then Ebron, you know, throw him in there as a third tight end. Who cares? Three tight ends, a fullback, James Conner, put him seven yards behind Ben Roethlisberger, and run the football. Even you can put Benny Snell back there if you're looking for a more powerful look. Exactly. They asked David DeCastro... Does he like pass blocking or run blocking better? He goes, oh, run blocking. You just you just fire out and hit the guy. And I'm thinking in my head, then do it. Well, then what are we doing? Then why why are we averaging like 30 yards a game? Uh, and then I'm thinking yeah. because our blocking schemes are bad because we're trying to do zone blocking schemes, which is complicated. You have to use move as a unit, and it's it's almost like you, you hit someone and you chip them over into the next zone, and you just keep moving up to the next level like that. That's tough to do. That's not an easy. That's not an easy thing. Yep. And Villanueva has been like a screen door. No, Villanueva might be one of the worst football players on the football team. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's been like, like, I, like such a good guy, such a great story. Can pass block. Uh, never mind. I can't even comment on that. He's <laughs> not a good lineman. He's just not good anymore. Like no. I'm sorry, he's not good. He'll be a really good coach. Fantastic coach. Mm-hmm. Great. Maybe even if he wants to do front office. If he wants to do something of a line coach or a quality control coach, he'll be fantastic. The players respect him. He's a very good guy. Knows his football stuff. Smart guy. Mm-hmm. Just not a good football player. 
and he was for a while. Uh, he was like a lockdown tackle, and then now he, he it's just there's just not a he, lot that I'm looking at and thinking. He can't. Oh, yeah, that's what I want from my blindside, my blindside tackle right there. Yeah. Um. So anyway, back to the line here. The Steelers are fair by six. I don't like that line. I think it's a. Uh, It's a pretty low-scoring game, actually. Okay. All right, here's... I'm pretty this is very low-scoring. I think it's a 20-15 to 15 game. Steelers win. 15's a weird number, but I think something weird happens. Yeah. I mean, it is a Pittsburgh game, so... I'm going to go 20-15. to 15. Like, I think the Browns get a couple field goals, maybe miss an extra point or something like that. 20-15. to 15. Okay. Uh, I like the Steelers. I'm just going to take the points here, because uh, this has a blowout potential. Um, yeah, if I'm put Okay, if I was putting money on it... I would put money on the Steelers covering. Yep. So I'll put Steelers Steelers win, Steelers cover, and what's the over under at? Forty seven and a half. Forty seven and a half. I like the under. Oh, I like the under all day. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um so that's all of the wild card predictions. Uh let's quickly get in here, get this uh national, national championship. championship game. Here we go, here we go. All right, Alabama's favored by eight over Ohio State. Oh my god, the over under seventy four and a half. <laughs> That just shows the difference between people are like, oh, college football, it translates. It translates for sure. Look, these big-time programs are basically like the NFL. Nope. They're nothing like the NFL. Let's look at wild card weekend, not even the Super Bowl, which is, you know, the equivalent national championship game, Super Bowl equivalent, like, you know, that's the championship game. Yep. Wild card weekend, the largest line is 9.5. Alabama's already fair by 8. That's, that's very close. Mm-hmm. The largest over-under is... 54 and a half, and that's because Tennessee and Baltimore both can put up points. Yep. And I actually even took the under on that. I don't even think they will get there. Nope. Alabama and Ohio State is 74 and a half, and get this, I'm going to take the over. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like a 41, well, I need a calculator for this one. There you go. Hand that over. Is it charged? Yep. Excellent. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm, let's see. When you need to start getting calculators, yeah, okay. you have to do spreads. I think it's. I think they get the over. I think it's a forty-nine to thirty-eight win from for Alabama. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to take the points. I'll take the over, which is insane, insane. Yeah, um, I'll take the points. I wouldn't feel comfortable taking the over because I'm taking the under. Massive. But I'm taking the under, but I still like Alabama, and I like Alabama by the points. I don't think Ohio Actually, State. you're right. The more I think about it, I'm taking the under. Because, look, Ohio State held Clemson to 28. And I think Alabama's defense is good enough to hold Ohio State to what? So 74 and a half minus 28. 46 and a half. You know, give or take, I think Alabama probably scores more than 28. Granted, I think they scored like 35. But I don't think Ohio State is going to put up that many points. I think they put up probably, I think it's like a 40 to it's forty to twenty-seven, Alabama. That's what I'm locking in. Forty to twenty-seven. All right. Um, so yeah, that's about it. That's all we have for today. Yeah, nice little one segment. It was a pretty long one though. So it was. Um, it was a good. We got everything we needed. Had some good discussions. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, it'll be a good weekend of football. Um, well, hold up. Let's write down our picks here, real quick. Just real quick. Let's just go back through them and write them down that way, because we could. Uh, you know, we went three and one last week. So let's write down what we got here. So. We got, we took, so L.A., um, yep. we took Seattle to cover. Did you take Seattle to cover that? Or you I took, did. 
You took LA or Seattle? Um, I think you took LA. I did take LA. Okay, so we'll do two separate ones. We'll do you. So you took LA, and you took um, LA plus three and a half. Yep. I took Seattle minus three and a half. What about Indy Buffalo? I think we both took Buffalo. We took to Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo is minus six and a half. Okay. How about the Buccaneers of the Washington football team? I think we both took Tampa to cover the eight. Yep. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. I took Tampa Bay. Oh, I took, you took them to cover. I took Washington. I took, we both took Washington to cover that one, but Tampa Bay to win. That's right. Okay, so Washington, which is what? Plus eight. Yep. All right, and then going on to the next day, did we both take Tennessee? Yeah. Tennessee plus three. A lot of dogs this week. Oh, we both took New Orleans minus nine and a half. Yeah, it's not even close. And then Steelers Browns. I took uh, Browns to cover. You took Steelers, right? Yep. So you took Pittsburgh minus six. I took Cleveland plus six. And then the championship game. We both took Alabama to cover minus eight. All right, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games here. Yep. And seven so, predictions. Uh, we'll see how we do. Hopefully, we go at least four and three. May the best man That'd win. That'd be the goal. So we have it written down. Although in pencil, I didn't really think that through. I, I promise to everyone we won't erase them. Um, you can go back and listen if you don't believe us. So. Yep. Uh, all right. Locked so in. They are locked in. It should be a good weekend of football, guys. Uh, go to our Instagram at the underscore issue podcast. Check us out there. Also find us on Twitter, just at the issue podcast on Twitter. Make sure you go there. We should be firing out some tweets all wild card weekend long. Uh, guys, thanks for hanging out. That was the issue.